You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida and then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. Dateline, yes, April 15, 1865. Holy shit. You guys know what happened on April 15, 1865? I was born. Besides. Uh, I, I'm going to guess, is that the end of the Civil War? Yeah, yeah to, a, uh, no. to a degree. <laughs> Something more specific happened on April, April 15th. That okay. had to do with the end of the war, but I guess the war was already over. Who Tax died? Day at the end of somebody <laughs> died. That guy gets shot. Was that Abe Lincoln? Mm. Correct. Oh, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Top hat. <laughs> uh, top hats are. They need to bring those back. Wait a second. We do need to bring those back. JWB Florida man is JWB a Florida man? <laughs> well, no. Oh, but. Thanks, Roger. Okay. There is a Florida man connection to the <laughs> Abraham Lincoln assassination, which is what we'll be getting okay, right now. Uh, Dateline, April 15th, 1865. <laughs> Lewis Thornton Powell was born on April 22nd, 1844 in Randolph, Alabama. Randolph? <laughs> Randolph. <laughs> Uh, Lewis was the youngest of eight children. It's always the youngest. Uh, Lewis, Lewis and his brothers and sisters were all homeschooled. His father was a Baptist minister. In 1848, Lewis's father freed the three slaves that he owned. What a sweet guy. Uh, <laughs> people that I own. You may go three now. Yes, I've grown tired of this owning you. <laughs> sweet guy. Uh, uh, Lewis was a quiet and introverted kid. He liked to fish and sing, and he loved attending church. He enjoyed Sunday school and prayer meetings. Hate him already. And he was also extremely stubborn and known for having a very hot temper. Sounds about right. Yeah. These things all track. <laughs> when Lewis was 13, he was kicked in the face by a mule. Nice. <laughs> Team mule. <laughs> First time I've ever said that. <laughs> Team mule. <laughs> the kick broke his jaw and left the left side of his face more prominent than the right. Prominent is a nice euphemism. 
more fucked up. <laughs> you just All these recent up. stories have like something wrong with the person's head. <laughs> like who, who was who who was it that was squeezed by the forceps? Was that Danny? Oh god, really? That was uh, Danny Rowling. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Just a real freak show we got going on. Oh, <laughs> this guy was kicked by a fucking mule. Yeah, squeezed by salad spoons. This is where I was kicked by a mule. <laughs> Every week. This is great. Oh man. Uh so in 1859, the Powell family were forced to sell their farm and they moved to the village of Belleville in Hamilton County, Florida. Woohoo! Yeah, where is that? <laughs> I don't know. You don't want to Google that shit? That's oh, sorry. See, that's my you're job. The, sorry. Yeah, I'm you're the, the resident where geo- everything is. That's true. Hamilton County is not my jurisdiction, guys. Hamilton County, Belleville, is the name of the village. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's uh, right there in the middle. Right next to Lake Shitty. Yeah, well, it's almost the panhandle, but not quite. You know, uh, Hamilton County, Belleville, Florida, the first thing comes up, Belleville County Jail. It's a real real nowheresville if there's a county jail right there. Yeah, so they moved there in 1859. Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12th. 1809, in a log cabin on Sinking Spring Farm near Hodgenville, Kentucky. On October 5th, 1818, when Abraham was nine years old, his mother Nancy died from milk sickness. Milk sickness? Milk sickness. Was she producing milk and giving him milk, and this made her sick, and she died from that? I'm sorry if this sounds incredibly stupid, but I don't have another no, way to put it. It's only the 1800s we have weird diseases like this, like milk sickness. Like I love, I love that? all the diseases that come from back then. They're the best names. So I think it's drinking tainted milk from a cow that ate a specific kind of plant. Oh, really? So it's not from her producing the milk? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. All so right. She just had a glass of milk and that was it. pasteurization came in correct yes (laughs) see i know some shit guys (laughs) yeah okay sorry to sorry to railroad the entire episode there with my questions about tit milk (laughs) but is it about her tit i I need to know (laughs) did it come from her tit (laughs) where did the milk come from whose tit was it (laughs) Do you have so a she, picture? So she, she drank her own tit milk and then died. <laughs> it's fucking smartest podcast ever. Sorry. Go ahead. Just shut up now. Would that work? Um, so Abraham was a self-taught lawyer, then a politician, including the Illinois, Illinois State Legislature and the U.S. House of Representatives, and was eventually elected the 16th President of the United States in 1860. One year into his presidency, the American Civil War happened. On April 12, 1861, Confederate forces opened fire on Fort Sumner, kicking off the war because Abraham Lincoln wanted to abolish slavery and the southern states wanted to keep owning people. Two months later, 
on June 12th, Lewis Powell, the boy that was kicked in the face by a mule, uh, he moved to Jasper, Florida. And then he lied about his age and was able to enlist in the 2nd Florida Infantry of the Confederate Army. He was considered, considered an effective soldier. He was uh, dedicated to the Southern cause and often carried around him uh, a skull of a dead Union soldier. This guy sounds like a fucking great guy. He's <laughs> such a weirdo right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he carried around with him the skull of a dead Union soldier, and he was nicknamed Lewis the Terrible for his ferocity and uh, murderousness in combat. Don't tell me that that is the result of getting kicked in the face by a mule. <laughs> Might be. Be careful out there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Quit fucking with those mules, kids. <laughs> Stay away from the mules. On July 2nd, Lewis was shot in the hand and was captured by Union troops. He was sent to a prisoner of war hospital at Pennsylvania College. There he met and started fucking a nurse named Maggie Branson. One day, Maggie was able to finagle Lewis a Union soldier uniform so he could escape the hospital. Uh, she snuck Lewis out and took him to her mother's house. He spent the rest of the next year running from Confederate camp to Confederate camp and got into several skirmishes. He got kicked in the face, he got shot in the hand. He's yeah, year, running from camp to camp, causing a ruckus. Two. Yeah, <clears throat> causing ruckus. Shacking up with somebody's wife. Yeah, he fucked a nurse named, I forgot her name. Betty Boop. <laughs> Uh, Betty Boop. All right. Uh, <laughs> over time, Lewis began uh, to realize that the Union was kicking the Confederate Army's ass and that losing the war was inevitable. This made him sad. His fellow soldiers and friends said Lewis grew more morose and melancholy because he believed the Confederate cause was lost. He was often tasked with joining missions t to kidnap Abraham Lincoln, but he thought trying to kidnap the president was stupid. So on January 1st, 1865, Lewis Powell deserted the Confederate Army. Peaced out, he moved to Alexandria, Virginia, and changed his name to Lewis Payne. While making his way to Baltimore, Lewis was held up at the Union border, so he took an oath of allegiance to the United States, and they let him go. <laughs> this is amazing yeah i love how you could get away with stuff so easy back then while there he met a man named david preston parr parr owned a china shop parr used his shop for meetings and as a safe house for confederate agents and spies and this excited lewis because he felt like it gave him an opportunity to keep fighting for the confederacy without any harebrained schemes like trying to kidnap the president of the united states Parr introduced Lewis to two men who said they were putting together a small team for a big mission. And that mission was to kidnap the President of the United States. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God damn it. Don't you go doing something stupid like that. 
you know what? That's a good idea. <laughs> do you guys have any other schemes that we could do? <laughs> we, have, we, we do have one more. Kidnapping <laughs> the president of the United States. <laughs> Damn it, so, that's the one we're trying to get away from. <laughs> the two men that he met, John Surratt and Louis J. Weichmann, said they were part of a secret group of Confederate sympathizers led by a famous American actor named John Wilkes Booth. Great actor. <laughs> That's what people don't really talk about. Is like, <laughs> See, I wish we could I wish we could separate the art from the artist. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. This is one of those times that we should as a nation. <laughs> we need to come together around John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, recognize acting. his talent. I, I, I say like, a, you know, a Posthumous Oscar is not out of line. <laughs> I'm gonna look up his IMDb. Long overdue <laughs> that honorary Oscar. Uh, John Wilkes Booth was born on May 10th, 1838, in Maryland. He was the ninth of ten children. People loved fucking back then. Nice. He was the son of British actor Junius Brutus Booth and his mistress Marianne Holmes. John Wilkes Booth actually has an IMDb. No. Does he really? Yeah, I'm serious. <clears throat> really? Yeah. John Wilkes Booth was an American theatrical actor from Maryland. He was a member of the prominent Booth theatrical family. Booth assassinated President Abraham Lincoln and was killed <laughs> shortly after. Is that oh, by the last way. credit on there? <laughs> it's like an after Filmography. Holy fuck, he's got like 27 paragraphs on here. <laughs> See, I'm usually looking up this stuff just to be an asshole, but (laughs) this is amazing. Had initially planned to kidnap Abraham. (laughs) 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 Shit. I had no idea this is such a fucking popular idea at the time. Like (laughs) what have you been thinking about? Eh, I've been thinking about Kidnapping the president. <laughs> John Wilkes Booth grew up in, grew up on the family farm, and they had slaves on that farm. At age sixteen, John joined the Know Nothing Party. The Know Nothing Party, also called the American Party, was a anti-Catholic, anti-Semitic white American party that wanted to preserve America for native-born white men. Members of the Know Nothing Party were required to say, quote, I know nothing, whenever they were asked about its specifics by outsiders. It's like a fight club for racist assholes, basically. <laughs> and being real dicks about it on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know nothing. Mm. I know nothing. Except racism. Mm. <laughs> While at boarding school, John met a fortune teller who read his palm and told him he would have a grand but short life. He was doomed to die young and would, quote, meet a bad end. Very shitty fortune teller. Although very... <laughs> Maybe she she wasn't a shitty fortune teller. It was just a shitty fortune. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's a, she's actually really good. <laughs> very accurate. Uh, here's, a, here's another factoid from IMDb. <laughs> John Wilkes Booth, he was earning $20,000 a year at that time as an actor. 
Wow, it's, what is that in today's dollars? Or is that uh, my job? That's my job. It says a spectacular amount of money for the time. It literally wow. says that. Yeah, he was a big deal. He was like a famous. Yeah, it's like fucking Brad Pitt deciding to like yeah. kill the president out of nowhere. It's like, dude, yeah. just go live in Malibu. Crazy. Or like, relax. $20,000 in 1865 is $369,128.83 today. Pretty good. Pretty damn, damn good. dude. That's almost a half yeah. a mil. Yeah. All right. Not quite Brad Pitt, but okay. You know. So. <laughs> Close enough. Um, Casey Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, and equally as uh, disgusting. Yeah, equally shitty. Equally <laughs> shitty. <laughs> so at age 17, John Wilkes Booth took up acting and fell in love with it. He would often tell people, quote, I must have fame. Fame! I like that, I like that one. <laughs> so quote. Wilkes Boothian. That's exactly how he would say it. <laughs> I'm an so actor! Quote, <laughs> His first major play was uh, Lucrecia Dorja at the Arch Street Theater. On opening night, John stumbled over one of his lines. Instead of introducing himself by saying, Madam, I am Petruccio Pandolfo, which was a line, he stammered and said, Madame, I am Pandolfo Pat, Pat, Pantuio Pat, Damn it! Who am I? Who am I, you sons of bitches? Line! Um, everyone in the audience laughed, but uh, he was not amused by the fact that people were laughing at him because he forgot his lines. I'm, start, I'm starting to think this John Wilkes Booth guy is a little unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> a little... My early take on his story. I don't know anything else about him. That's how it plays he was out. eventually able to get a he was eventually able to have a better go at it, at acting, and grew in popularity as an actor. Less for his talent and more for his looks. Some critic called John, quote, the handsomest man in America. Tom Selleck. <laughs> Famed reporter George Alfred Townsend described him as a, quote, muscular, perfect man with curling hair like a Corinthian capital. Oh, that's funny. That's what it says on my Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> George really wanted to fuck John Wilkes Booth. He really man. wanted to fuck him, yeah. Yeah. Christ. If only I could fuck him. Fine Corinthian no capital. We're not allowed to be gay back then. But we all have mustaches. <laughs> uh, John's brother, Edwin, who is also a popular actor, he was actually pro-union, his brother. Hmm. And this angered the very racist John. So he wrote his brother, Edwin, a letter telling him how he felt. <laughs> God, I, I really wish you had that letter. Wait a second. Wait a second. I, do, do you have that letter? I have that letter. Oh, yes! He has that letter. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, I have ever held the South was right. Better. The very nomination uh, stop, stop, of Abraham Lincoln. Right now. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah, stop. we need to like. We need, we need some kind of voice here. Come on. What is this? <laughs> I don't know. We need to be a pro-union 
Southern. Well, is pro well pro Confederate. This is from John. Oh, this yes. is from John. Okay, so like John's really name, racist. Yeah. Use a hard R on everything. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like uh, he's from Maryland, right? So how Maryland Baltimore accent. Baltimore. Baltimore accent. Uh, I don't know. All I can do is a southern accent. That's all I can offer you guys. <laughs> I have ever held the South was right. Yes. Their nation, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, four years ago, spoke plainly war upon southern rights and institutions. <laughs> Looking upon African slavery from the same standpoint held by the noble framers of our Constitution. I, for one, have ever considered it one of the greatest blessings both for themselves and us that God has ever bestowed upon a favored nation. Wow. I have also studied hard to discover upon the grounds that the right of the state secede has been denied. When our very name, United States, and the Declaration of Independence both provide for secession. There you go. What wow. a fucking guy. <laughs> he loved the shit out of slavery is really what yeah. he's saying here. Yeah. yeah. In his fancy words. Um, on December 2nd, 1859, John attended the hanging of abolitionist, radical, badass John Brown. Oh, he was there. I didn't know that. That's yeah. kind of wild. Hell yeah. Yeah. Fucking... Uh, Brown had been captured and sentenced to hang for a failed incitement of a slave rebellion at Harper's Ferry. Uh, Brown believed in using violence to end slavery for after so many years of trying to end it peacefully. Uh, he said, fuck peace. Let's kill all the whiteies who are into this shit. John Brown, friend of the pod. Yes. <laughs> Very close. I have a t-shirt with him. <laughs> <laughs> so John Wilkes Booth stood and watched Brown's body hanging on the gallows and expressed, expressed great satisfaction over Brown's death. When the South seceded and the Civil War began, John was outspoken in his admiration for the South's secession, publicly calling it heroic. This so enraged Northerners that they demanded that he be banned from the stage for making treasonable statements. John Wilkes Booth was canceled in his day. You can't say nothing no more! <laughs> so Lewis Powell met John Wilkes Booth through John Surratt, Booth took Lewis to lunch and immediately sold him on the idea of kidnapping Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to take you to lunch sometime. Uh, what are you thinking? You want a salad or something like that? Or... How would you like to sweet green the president? Yeah. I don't know. Is there a, is there a T-bone in this for me? <laughs> no. Um... Acai bowl, maybe I was thinking. Uh, while we're at it, what are your thoughts on kidnapping the president? No, no, not again. <laughs> uh, I thought I was getting a free lunch. <laughs> the plot involved snatching the president and using uh, him as a bargaining chip to have Confederate POWs released and for the Union to acknowledge the South as legitimate. I love how easy it was for them to even just think about just like kidnapping the president back then. Yeah. Like now you can't even like you can't even get like within a mile of the Yeah, president. he didn't have any he basically just didn't have any like real security detail. He had like a couple of soldiers with him, but that's about it. <laughs> um Lewis was starstruck with John 
Although several others had been part of the conspiracy for some time, Lewis quickly became the second most important person in the plot. Booth's hand of conspirators was complete with Lewis, along with David Harold, George Astorot, and Surratt. They would meet to discuss their plans at the boarding house of John Surratt's mother, Mary Surratt, and John Wilkes Booth's siblings began to tell him that his obsession with Lincoln was getting out of hand. <laughs> Just now. <laughs> yeah. As a result... He wrote his sister a letter saying of Lincoln, quote, That man's appearance, his pedigree, his coarse low jokes, and his anecdotes, his vulgar similes, policy are a disgrace to the seat he holds. <laughs> he has made the tool of the North to crush out slavery. He doesn't like his jokes, which is what a weird... That's a weird like. take. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I hope nobody tries to kidnap me after I get off stage one time. Oh, there, like, there's at least 15 people conspiring to kidnap you right now. We have at least one, <laughs> one person who's reviewed this podcast with their, their coarse, low jokes and anecdotes and vulgar similes. Yeah, was that John Wilkes Booth? It <laughs> was. He hates us so much. And I reckon I shall kidnap them when I get the first hand. <laughs> oh, that's right, but we're trying too hard and we're grade school. Yeah. Too hard. Uh, oh, yeah. The plot was set, and everyone was given code names. Ooh. That's right. Like in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Everyone has code names. Lewis Powell's code name was Mr. Wood. <laughs> Mr. Wood? Mr. Wood. That was my nickname in high school. I know. That's, <laughs> a, that's a good nickname. <laughs> I'd like to be Mr. Wood. All right, Roger. You're Mr. Wood from now on. <laughs> I wish my wife would call me that. (laughs) (laughs) So one day the plot was nearly fucked. Lewis had a run-in with a black maid at his girlfriend Maggie's house. What? Yeah. Lewis beat the maid up. They had some kind of argument and he punched her. Um, But because this was Maryland and not a podunk shit-kicker southern state, the maid had Lewis arrested. Accused him, and she accused him of being a Confederate spy, which he was. Uh, Lewis swore to authorities that he was from Fauquier County, Virginia, and he knew nothing about the war. He swore that he was only 18 years old, and he pretended to be dim-witted, and also pretended he didn't understand English too well. <laughs> All right. That's a step too far. <laughs> On March 17th, John Wilkes Booth learned that Lincoln would be attending a play at a hospital in D.C. Yeah, plays in hospitals. Is that <laughs> how that works? Yeah, for presidents to go to. Yeah. <laughs> real, real low, real lo-fi back then. <laughs> this is wherever we could do it. We just show yeah. up and like, it's good. Yeah, well, the president's right coming here. to a play in a basement. Next Tuesday. The show will be right here next to the leper ward. <laughs> oh, so he, um, so John Wilkes Booth checked into the National Hotel in Washington, D.C., and then he uh, assembled Lewis and the rest of the team on a stretch of road near the hospital, ready to pounce and kidnap the president. And so they waited, and they waited, and they waited. Lincoln <laughs> never showed up. 
Turns out Lincoln had changed his plans at the last moment to attend a reception at the National Hotel in Washington. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to a fucking hospital to watch a play, guys. I'm not doing that. Are you fucking high? I'm the fucking president. I'm going to go to a hotel party. Shut the f- Are you fucking nuts? Um, after losing their chance to kidnap the president, John and Lewis tried to come up with another plan to kidnap him. At one point, John decided to attend a speech Lincoln gave from a balcony at the White House. He brought Lewis with him. The two men watched the speech from the White House lawn. In that speech, Lincoln announced that he wanted to see freed black men be given the right to vote. This pissed Booth off to no end. <laughs> Angry and seething, he turned to Lewis and he said, quote, That means N-word citizenship. Now, by God, I will put him through. That will be the last speech he will ever make. So, from this point on, the plot to kidnap the president was scrapped for a new plot to kill the president. Dun, dun, dun. All because Lincoln wanted black people to vote. They're going to be citizens, but not even full citizens. Just three-fifths of a citizen. <laughs> yeah. And now they, they have, they're going to vote? Well, that just, that fucking, that's just the fucking, I'm over it. <laughs> so... On the morning of April 14th, 1865, Booth visited Ford's Theater and there learned that the president and Mrs. Lincoln would be attending the play Our American Cousin later that night. I never knew the name of the play until just now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Our American Cousin. It's a comedy. Yeah. uh, Also, like, he's going to too many plays. (laughs) Lincoln's a socialite. He's just... Loves the arts. He's out there. One too many for him. One too many plays. Yeah. Should have skipped this one, too. (laughs) So, at hearing the news that he was going to be at this play, Booth exclaimed, quote, Whoopee. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopee. (laughs) Which was apparently a popular expression back then for excitement. Whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. was? Yeah. Whoopee! Uh, whoopee! Whoopee! Um, uh, it lasted a while. It, it still right. kind of was, yeah. So he immediately set out making plans for the assassination, including setting up an escape route. Booth not only wanted to kill Lincoln, but he also wanted to cripple the entire Washington, D.C. leadership. He would assign each of his men someone to kill in the Lincoln administration. Uh, did they make the Secret Service after this, or was there Secret Service at the time? Do we know? There was, yeah, this was, I think, I'm not sure if this is true, but I've heard that like one of the last things Lincoln signed was like to have a specific security detail for the president <laughs> from this moment on. Because it seems like they got real easy access to these guys. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. At the time, he's like, oh... <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go watch him speak and I'm gonna be five feet away god damn it I'm gonna kill him next time <laughs> yeah he was only had like uh, maybe one guard or something and there was a soldier wasn't very well trained in security yeah. matters but yeah after this obviously they started assigning secret yeah. service like plain Uncle clothes the, and shit. the security budget a little bit guys <laughs> a couple more dollars and cents in there <laughs> so later that night 
John Wilkes Booth assembled his men. Ugh, like racist Avengers. Astaroth was assigned <laughs> to assassinate Vice President Andrew Johnson. Lewis Powell was assigned to assassinate Secretary of State William H. Seward. And Harold was given the task of helping Lewis get away. At about 10.10 p.m., while Booth made his way to Ford's Theater, Lewis was escorted to the Seward House on Lafayette Square, near the White House, by David Harold. A few weeks earlier, Seward had been injured in a carriage accident and suffered a concussion, a broken jaw, broken right arm. So he's all fucked up. Um, this is the Secret- Secretary of State. Local newspapers reported that Seward was at home convalescing. Lewis and Harold knew where to find him. Lewis was armed with a Whitney revolver and a large knife. He wore black pants, a long overcoat, a gray vest, a gray dress coat, and a hat with a wide brim. Harold waited outside holding Lewis's horse. Lewis knocked and rang on the doorbell, and the door was answered by William Bell, Seward's black maitre d'. Holding up a small bottle, Lewis claimed that Seward's doctor had sent him some medicine to take, but William Bell didn't buy that story. He asked Lewis to wait right here. Lewis pushed back, pushed past him, and began charging up the stairs. Seward's son, Frederick Seward, appeared at the top of the steps. When Lewis reached the second floor, he told Frederick that he was delivering medicine, but Frederick refused to let him in. As Lewis and Frederick bickered over the medicine story, Seward's daughter, Fanny, stuck her head out of her father's bedroom door and warned the men that Seward was sleeping. Frederick told Lewis to leave. Lewis pulled out his revolver and pulled the trigger, but the revolver misfired. So Powell pistol-whipped Frederick instead. Bell ran out of the house screaming, Murder! Murder! Lewis drew out his knife and burst through Seward's bedroom door. Lewis, though, pushed Fanny aside and leapt onto the bed. He savagely began slashing Seward in the face and throat. Mm. Seward, however, was wearing a metal splint on his jaw from his injuries, which deflected most of Lewis's blows. Lewis still managed to cut through Seward's right cheek and along his right throat, drawing a large amount of blood. Meanwhile, Harold heard Fanny screaming, and he freaked out. (laughs) Here we go again. Just women (laughs) screaming, and everybody runs. (laughs) So uh, he freaked out, he jumped on his horse, and he took off, abandoning Lewis. Uh, Seward's other son, Augustus Henry Seward, burst into the room. He jumped on Lewis and dragged him down the floor. Lewis stabbed him several times. Lewis went to leave, but was confronted by State Department Department Messenger Emmerich Bud Hansel in the hallway. Bud. Bud. Hansel was uh, had just arrived at the house moments earlier and found the front door ajar. Seeing a large man with a knife in the house, Hansel turned to run. Lewis stabbed him in the back. Well, there's some fucking names in this episode, guys. Yeah. It's just a madhouse. There's a lot of them right now. Yeah. It's just a lot of them. It's a madhouse. Everyone's freaking out, and this dude's just stabbing everyone. And what the fuck is it's Fanny short for? 
<laughs> Ass. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Lewis ran out of the house yelling, I'm mad! I'm mad! <laughs> well, the other guy ran out of the house yelling, Murder! Murder! <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's amazing how much we've learned to express ourselves in the centuries since then. <laughs> yeah. They're very direct back then. <laughs> So as he ran off, he threw his knife in the gutter, got onto his horse, and rode off. While this was happening, John Wilkes Booth had shot Lincoln at Ford's Theater. So as he rode off, Lewis realized that David Harold had abandoned him. Because of this, Lewis had no idea where he was going. He had almost no knowledge of the streets of Washington, D.C., and without Harold, he had no way of locating the streets he was at to use to uh, have his escape route. He was lost. So he slowed down his horse and began riding at a relatively slow pace north on 15th Street, not knowing where the hell to go. (laughs) As he rode along the streets, his horse threw him and ran off. (laughs) (sighs) It didn't kick him in the head, at least. No. Unfortunately. So, yeah, so Lewis Powell found a cemetery, and he hid in it. He stayed there, and he hung out up on a tree for three days. What? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was in a cemetery. I guess he was hiding up in the tree for three days? Yeah, in a, in a cemetery tree. Man. He, uh, after three days, he eventually left to find Mary's house and forgot his overcoat and hat up in the tree. Dude, you're in a tree for three days with nothing but clothes, and then you just forget them? Mm-hmm. His hat and his overcoat. This guy sucks. In the overcoat <laughs> pockets terrible. were Lewis's riding gloves, a false mustache, and a piece of paper with Mary Gardner's name and hotel room number on it. So Give he could have just, just looked in his pocket and found where he was supposed to go. Uh... Lewis then decided to return to Mary Surratt's boarding house to seek help. His clothes were covered with blood and remembered he had forgotten his overcoat and hat. Um, Now, during much of the Victorian era, it was considered very unseemly for any man to be seen in public without a hat. It was considered weird and uncouth. Couldn't walk around without a hat. So when Lewis realized this, he ripped the sleeve off from his shirt and placed it on his head in the hope that people would think it was a hat. Wait, maybe are we sure he wasn't kicked by this horse? (laughs) (laughs) It's my hat. Uh, I used one of my shoes and put them on my head. (laughs) Good day, sir. Good day, ma'am. Morning. Tips his shoe at the fucking shirt sleeve. D.C. cops had already suspected John Surratt of complicity uh, in Lincoln's murder and had visited the Surratt boarding house for the first time as early as 2 a.m. that morning, less than four hours after the attacks. But nothing incriminating was found. Federal authorities decided to make a second visit. Military investigators arrived on Monday to bring Mary Surratt and others in for questioning. As they were about to depart at around midnight, Lewis Powell showed up at the doorstep. Oops. 
sleeve on head. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis claimed to be a menial laborer. And he had been hi- he said he had been hired that morning by Mary to dig a gutter in the street. But when asked why a laborer would show up so late to an employer's house, he explained that he came at that time to ask what time he should begin working. Jesus <laughs> God, man. nice try. Nice try, bro. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I'm here <laughs> just to find out what time I should be here again next time. Because she didn't tell me and I didn't ask and I don't really, I'm not a menial labor. Also, uh, I have a sleeve on. Yeah. <laughs> this is a hat. It's, it's not, not a really a sleeve. It's a stocking cap. I wear it to sleep. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, yeah, his bloody clothes and weird sleeve, that hat, his weird sleeve hat had aroused the suspicion of the cops. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah. Mary also denied knowing him. Uh, she would later claim that her extremely <laughs> poor eyesight and the darkness of the room prevented her from recognizing him. So she was trying to cover for him, that weird yeah, guy with totally. a sleeve hat. Mariah Carey gif. <laughs> I don't know. So, so uh, yeah, so the cops arrested Lewis. Upon further inspection of the house, they found that he had a box of pistol cartridges, a compass, hair pomade, a comb, two fine handkerchiefs, and a copy of his Oath of Allegiance to the Union in his pockets. William Bell, the black butler, he identified Lewis as the man who had assaulted Seward. At this, Lewis was formally arrested and imprisoned aboard the USS Saugus. So, in the end, it was a black man who incriminated him and got him arrested. Hell yeah. <laughs> On April 22nd, Lewis was caught repeatedly banging his head against the iron walls of his cell. I was just trying to feel that mule again. (laughs) Last time I felt love. (laughs) Officials believed he was trying to commit suicide. For this, he was fashioned with a canvas hood to prevent him from smashing his head again. (laughs) Like a fucking falcon or something? (laughs) Man. Just cover cover the cage. He'll think he's asleep. <laughs> Put a pillow on his head. Stupid. Oh my on God. <laughs> Put a pillow on his head so he doesn't hurt himself. What a dummy. And humans are the most advanced of all of our <laughs> organisms. Oh, God. The hood was hot, claustrophobic, and uncomfortable. During a military tribunal, the, ba- the black butler, William Bell, his testimony proved to be the nail in Lewis's coffin. Lewis tried to attack Bell in court, but was held back. Lewis tried to act dimwitted again, and he tried acting insane, but he was examined by several doctors who declared him sane. Lewis Powell was found guilty and sentenced to hang. Hooray! <laughs> On July 7, 1865, prisoners were taken through a courtyard and up the set of steps to a gallow that had been set up. Each prisoner's ankles and wrists were manacled. More than a thousand people, including government officials, members of the U.S. Armed Forces, friends and family of the condemned, official witnesses, and reporters watched from the courtyard and the tops of its walls. 
The execution order was red. White cloth was used to bind the arms to their sides and to tie their ankles and thighs together. A white bag was placed over the head of each prisoner after the noose was put in place. Lewis said to his lawyer through his hood, quote, I thank you. Goodbye. The condemned were then hanged. While the others died almost instantly, Lewis Powell struggled for nearly five minutes. His body swung about wildly, and once or twice his legs came up so that he was almost in a sitting position. But after the five minutes, Lewis Powell was dead. He was 21. That motherfucker was only 21? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Short life when people were trying to get you to kidnap the president. <laughs> yeah. It was only eight years from the time he got kicked by that mule. <laughs> Lewis Powell was buried just outside the courtyard along with the other co-conspirators. A year later, Lewis's family came to D.C. from Florida to reclaim his remains. When Lewis's body was brought to them, his skull had mysteriously vanished. Ooh. The mule took it. <laughs> Lewis's headless corpse was buried in Geneva, Florida. I mean, for a guy that likes carrying around Union soldier. Yeah, for yeah, real, right? right? We've come full circle. That's right. Maybe it was his own skull he was carrying around. <laughs> He's a ghost this entire time. <laughs> Some historians theorize that Lewis's body had been removed had been moved to a cemetery where several hundred black bodies had been moved to another part of the cemetery to make room for white bodies to be buried. It's oh. very likely that Lewis was accidentally buried among black people. Uh-huh. <laughs> Moreover, in 1991, Lewis's skull was discovered by a Smithsonian Institution researcher in the Museum of Native American Skull Collection. Oh, whoa. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. How about that? On November 12, 1994, Lewis Powell's skull was buried next to the grave of his mother, Caroline, at the Geneva Cemetery. Here's your son's head. He was, he was, <laughs> so he was, he was buried... With black bodies, and his head was buried with Native American bodies. Wonderful. Fun fact about Geneva, Florida. It's home to the Seminole County Parrot Rescue and Sanctuary. That's which is right next to the uh, cemetery. (laughs) As for our old friend John Wills Booth, after he had shot Lincoln and yelled something stupid, he jumped down onto the stage (laughs) and broke his leg. He then hid away for 12 days until Union soldiers found him hiding in a barn. David Harold surrendered, but Booth refused to come out. He kept telling the soldiers, quote, I prefer to come out and fight. The soldiers then set the barn on fire. <laughs> come out and fight now, you bitch. Exactly. <laughs> uh, as Booth moved about inside the blazing barn, a self-castrated Union soldier named Sergeant Boston Corbett shot him. Wait, read that part again? <laughs> <laughs> self-castrated? What? 
A self-castrated Union soldier named Sergeant Boston Corbett shot John Wilkes Booth. Wow. That was an interesting factoid there, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Quick story on this guy. Sergeant Boston Corbett was very religious. He started out life as like a crazy street preacher guy. One of those, the end is nigh types. And ended up in the military. Sounds about right. Yeah, he joined the Union, just kind of like do something with his life. And from what I remember reading, you know, when soldiers are on leave, they go out, find themselves sex workers, have have a good old time. But this dude was so religious that every time he did that, he felt shitty, like he felt guilty, that he was sinning and fornicating. So go say three Hail Marys and get the fuck on with it. (laughs) (laughs) So to control himself, he sliced off his own balls. Wow. Wow. Self-castration. Yeah. That is some uh, post-nut clarity. Dude. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's what that is, Roger, because I never thought of that. sense. (laughs) In the most literal sense. (laughs) Wow. I'm joking myself. That's post not clarity for the rest of your life. Yeah. Terminal. No, see, now there's never a nut again to be clear after. <laughs> now you're just yeah. crazy. Uh, give it a minute, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, so, yeah, this guy happened to be a part of the, the Union soldiers that tracked down Booth and found him. He stuck his gun through the barn and shot John Wilkes Booth. Guy with no balls. Took him down. Man. Um, I, I'm learning a lot this, this podcast. This, this is uh, – there's, there's an odd lot of things that just uh, happened in the 1800s. Yeah. It only happened back then. A lot of key players with a lot of weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. Weird American so, history shit. I'm just kind of so, taking it all in, just taking a little deep <laughs> breath and a little sitting back, yeah. looking up to the sky and thinking, wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So the uh, <laughs> the bullet had pierced three vertebrae and partially severed John Wilkes Booth's spinal cord, paralyzing him. In his dying moments, he reportedly whispered, quote, tell my mother I died for my country. (laughs) Whatever, jackass. Asking that his hands be raised to his face so that he could see them, Booth uttered his last words, quote, useless. Useless. And he died. He was 26 years old. Shortly after Booth's death, his brother Edwin wrote to his sister Asia, quote, think no more of him as your brother. He is dead to us now. Oh. And to everybody. <laughs> but he has his own IMDb picture. <laughs> can you lift my hands to my face so I can insult them? <laughs> Useless. Pieces of shit. This guy was just angry at everything. And that, my friends, is the story of Lewis Powell, the Florida man who was involved in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Well, thank God we can take a claim in that, too. Jesus. <laughs> uh, who are our sources this week, Chris? Our sources are Manhunt, the 12-day chase for Lincoln's killer by James L. Swanson. 
Lincoln's Assassins, a complete account of their capture, trial, and punishment by Roy Chamley. Searching for Lewis Powell's head and the rest of him by Charles <laughs> Carlson. <laughs> and the Assassin's Accomplice, Mary Surratt, and the Plot to Kill Abraham Lincoln by Kate Clifford Larson. Three, <sighs> four, four fine books. Wow. Man, oh man. God. Just always a Florida connection to everything. <laughs> It's amazing to me how even like some of the most, the biggest events in American history are put together by a bunch of dumb fucks. (laughs) Tune in next week when John Kennedy (laughs) gets assassinated. Maybe. By a Florida gator trapper. (laughs) Who also worked for the FBI. (laughs) Yep. Oh my God. Uh, there you go. I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm glad you all caught the the castrating part. That was fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm listening. Trying to slide that in there, but (laughs) yeah, I'm listening intently, and I like see your mouth go self castrated. (laughs) Yeah, slow motion. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's weird fucking shit, man. Weird. <laughs> weird random shit. It's a detail yeah. I did not expect tonight. <laughs> the Florida Man Murders is a five reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting floridamanmurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.